You're listening to The Happy Hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique alvarez Clary on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back into the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick and Rico back with you. Shout out to Empire Fence and Netting for sponsoring the show. 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sarder Heyman text line, both those open for you guys the entire show. Before we get into football, I have another volleyball statistic. Okay, go ahead. I just saw this one. Nebraska Volleyball leads the nation in opponent hitting percentage. They are currently holding their opponents, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, Tulsa, and Pepperdine, to a .01 hitting percentage. There you go. Let me me repeat that one more. .01 hitting percentage. Nebraska's defense on point for the first three games. A couple more tests coming up this weekend, tomorrow. They play – who do they – they play – I knew this, and now I can't remember. Isn't it Louisiana like Monroe? No. I don't I, believe so. Obviously, they play Ole Miss They play Saturday. Ole Miss on Saturday. I feel like a terrible person. I always – You're like, supposed I to be covering this. volleyball, I know I'm supposed Rico. to know this, this and, and, I knew, and I knew this, and then I lost it, and I'm terrible. Give me, like, five seconds. They Loyola play Marymount. Loyola. It was an L. Loyola Marymount, then Ole Miss – Ole Miss and Loyola play earlier or play on Friday. If you guys want to go to that one, if you don't want to watch the Oscars next week on the on Wednesday, Nebraska travels to Creighton. They'll have their first road game at the CHI. That'll be on um, FS1. Yes, and then they come back on Saturday with a matchup against former assistant Tyler Hildebrand and Long Beach State on Saturday um, before their biggest match so far the season on the following Tuesday against Stanford at home. Nice so. Tuesday matchup with Stanford on the Big Ten Network. Yeah. So it'll be something to watch as we go along, but once again, Thursday, uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m., they'll have Loyola Marymount, and then Saturday they face former Husker Caleb Banworth and the Ole Miss Rebels at the Devaney Center. All right, so I want to talk about this Husker football situation um, Scott Frost clarified kind of the comments that he made on Saturday about offensive staff needing to be more creative and things like that. He clarified that on Monday. Um, it, it's, it, there's, I know it's in there, the expansion on, on the creative comments. Here's what he had to say real quick. Yeah, I didn't even realize I said that after the game. Uh, I was, I guess, kind of referring to the run game more than anything. Coach Whip's really good. He knows his stuff. thought he did a really good job calling the game. Um, We've gotten better up front. There's no doubt about it. We're better at running back. There's no doubt about it. Um, but in the Big Ten, it's hard to just turn around and hand it to a back and think you're going to be real consistent. So uh, I, I think I was referring to coming off the game, just maybe having uh, a few more things in the run game that um, that are schemed for the particular opponent. Slight disagreement, but also agreement with Scott Frost. I mean, there have been there are teams in the Big Ten who just turn around, hand it off to the running back, yeah. and are successful because of the amount of push and and just the amount of times they do it and wear down their opponents. Uh, but the amount of push uh, from the offensive line, there are teams that do that. But I also agree with him where you know if you don't have 
you know, the first round talent on the offensive line. If you don't have the first, second round talent at running back, and I'm not saying that, you know, Anthony Grant or Ramir Johnson or Gabe Irvin aren't, aren't that, but currently as it sits right now, they, they, they aren't. So if you don't have that amount of talent, you have to come up with different ways to get them the ball in space and, and, you know, maybe not run between the tackles every time. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe run a stretch, go outside the tackles, you know, run a little pitch play. They they tried. They had two reverses with Trey Palmer. Maybe, you know, do something like that, fake the reverse, hand it off. You know, getting a little creative isn't going to, going to hurt. They did try to be creative, though, and like he's a, he doesn't remember saying it. That's kind of the, the problem with, with – post-game pressures directly after games and yeah. sometimes coaches say things and they're like they come back the next week and they're like up oh, didn't uh didn't mean to say that that's just in the moment type thing yeah so i you know i agree with him i disagree with him you know i'm i'm, I'm kind of on both sides with that statement uh, mark wibble did say today quote i was more encouraged than i was discouraged discouraged excuse me about the offensive work uh, against Northwestern, um, he he kept saying that they're harping on this week that they have to finish. They have to. I mean, which I mean, not shocking there. You got to finish. Give some more energy, some more effort on each play, and things like that. Um, so it's one of those things where Mark Whipple once again said he was more encouraged than discouraged uh, at, on Nebraska's offensive output against Northwestern. Um, but another thing that I would say also is. Scott Frost is in this weird situation right now where during the offseason, Rico, I think he had come to, you know, understand and, and realize like, hey, listen, I'm not going to be involved in the offense as much. Uh, I'm going to be able to have conversations with defense, with special teams, things like that. But then I don't think he realized until he was in the heat of the moment how difficult that would be for him. I, I Because this is a guy that everywhere he's been, he's been... A big part of this off the whatever offense, whether it was Oregon, whether it was UCF, and then his first four years in Nebraska, he's been a big part of this offense and known to a lot of people. And still, I think Nebraska fans like this. This does not go away or or, or leave from the Scott Frost resume. He's an offensive genius. He is. Whether you want to whether you want to say it or not, or you want to acknowledge it or not, he's an offensive genius. It just might not work in the Big Twelve or with with the guys that Ten. Nebraska Big Ten. Oh my goodness, with the Big Ten, <laughs> I think it would or, work in the Big Twelve. Actually. I think it would work in the Big Twelve <laughs> or with the type of bodies that they need in in this conference. And it's your through four years, you were trying to find this happy median where Nebraska, where Scott Frost, um, Oregon Speed, and Nebraska Oregon power. Speed, Nebraska Power, Big Ten Conference with Scott Frost system. That's what you were you were trying to find this marriage, and it never worked. It never went smooth, and because you had a guy like Wandale trying to play a, a position that Jacques Yant's playing right now, it's just not working. And so slight body difference, slight just a little bit, just a little bit. So it, it's really weird that we're seeing it as we as the season goes on, and when we're seeing it unfold and, and kind of grow right before our very own eyes, where in a game. You kind of feel this awkward situation where Scott Frost is on the sideline going, this is what I would have done here, but you got to trust Mark Whipple. And it's not necessarily one of those things where Scott Frost doesn't trust Mark Whipple. I think it's truly one of those things where you sit here and say Scott Frost is just so used to being so involved that it feels un- it's uncomfortable when he's not calling the place. I-, I truly think that's where you're at. I mean... Like like you said, he's he's been 
the guy to turn to in these moments for offensive play calling. So being on the outside and, you know, handing over the reins to somebody else is going to be difficult for him. And he said so himself. He's still, you know, figuring out how to do that. And he's he's going around. He's talk, He's you know, talking to the defensive players and the special teams players more than he has before. And that's something that he said. That's something that he admitted to is he's talking to them more than he did before because he's not buried in a play sheet. He's watching the defense. He's he's giving his two cents to Chenander about, you know, the defensive form or the offensive formations of the opponent and, and maybe what he sees that the defense could do better. Uh, he's talking with Whipple about what the offense could do better maybe you know throwing in his two cents and and what he what plays he believes would work against whatever defense the opponent is throwing at them so he's being more involved with every aspect of the game that's something that he wanted to do something that he's doing taking a step back but it is I mean when you've done something for so long and somebody asks you or or you decide to take a step back it's it's hard because you still want to be involved I'm sure he sits there and he's you know gritting his teeth thinking oh I I I, I would call this play in this situation, and I'm sure he talks to Mark Whipple about it, and they mm-hmm. go back and forth about you know what play they should run. But at the end of it all, if 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 he has handed the reins over to Mark Whipple, Mark Whipple probably gets the final say in in what play goes out there, unless Scott Frost overrules him. Which is kind of interesting because the, y- we always say Mark Whipple has this is this coach of of forty plus years of experience and all this and. And it's it's got to be tough. It, there's got to be a fine line that it's where Scott Frost and and Mark Whipple have conversations, but then there's also a line of where Whipple says, "Listen, man, this is my show, and and we need to do this. Like we need I we need you to trust me and let me do my job." Right. That's been one of the things of of so many years through the last four years, I guess, or so many situations through the last four years is Scott Frost being so obsessed with this thing, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing to be obsessed with it. It's not a bad thing because effort's never been a question. He's ne- It's never been a question of whether or not he's trying to win here. It's just how he's channeled um, his, his ideas and thoughts and and list of jobs for, for assistant coaches. It's just one of those things where it's got to be, it's got to be tough for Scott Frost to be able to like, step back. And, and we're seeing it unfold right in front of our eyes where they're still trying to figure out this marriage between Scott Frost and, and being somewhat involved in the offense, but being okay with not being fully involved. And they might have figured out a solution in practices in fall camp, but it's completely different in the middle of the third quarter when you're down 10 or in the middle of the fourth quarter when you're down three and your offense has been sputtering for a quarter and a half straight. Like when the, when the bullets are flying it's a lot more difficult to not have control in a season like this that you need to win games. Everybody understands the expectation, and Scott Frost is feeling the pressure. So in a season like this, when the bullets are flying, I'm sure it's extremely difficult, and it's killing Scott Frost inside, I'm sure, to sit here and go, I can't do anything about it. I have to be hands-off right now. It's got to be very, very tough for the head coach. And part of that is, personnel decisions and and part of that does fall on Scott Frost and it's no secret a lot of people were wondering where Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin were on on Saturday yeah and and Ramir Johnson Scott Frost actually talked about him a little bit on on Monday's Tuesday's press conference excuse me and just kind of said something along the lines of he got lost in between the shuffle of playing wide receiver and running back and it was like one of these things where he wasn't ready to play wide receiver 
but he had been spending too much time at wide receiver, so they didn't want to put him at running back. Here's here's Scott Frost verbatim here. We needed some help. Uh, we thought in, with depth outside and with our depth at running back, um, I want Ramirez to be able to play both. And he took a bunch of reps outside, and um, we, you know, he, he he's he's gotten really good at that. But it's it's been a little bit of a learning curve, and I think he just kind of caught caught between playing outside and playing in the backfield. And uh, but he he's good enough. We need to find some roles for him and make sure he has some touches. It's just one of those things where you got to find a way to get Ramir Johnson on the field, especially when all fall camp we heard how valuable he's been to this offense. Get one of your best players involved in the offense if you have to. I mean, it doesn't really matter how you do it. You line him up in the backfield, line him up at the slot, line him up outside as an outside wide. Just, just, just get him involved. He's, he's. We saw it last year. He's a very valuable weapon for this offense. Maybe, maybe it's not at the running back position. Maybe it is in the slot at the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's you know offset in the backfield as, as like a secondary running back I, I don't I don't know where they're going to use him but I do know that he's invaluable and and his skill set is something that could be used for Nebraska's offense to get the ball rolling and then obviously score more touchdowns well I mean let's let's be honest if you're a defense are you more concerned and this is nothing against Wyatt Lever are you more concerned about Ramir Johnson beating you or Wyatt Lever that's that's nothing. That's not. I'm not taking a shot at anybody. That's just being honest. That's being criti- criticism. Like that's constructive criticism in a way. It's just if you're a defense, are you more concerned about Ramir Johnson being able to make a play, or Wyatt Lever? And and from everything that we've heard in fall camp throughout fall camp, was that Ramir Johnson is this extremely valuable piece on your offensive side of the ball. And then you see him on special teams do his job, just like we've heard from Bill Bush. Mm-hmm. But offensively, you didn't get to see him. And Gabe Irvin was was an interesting situation as well, where Mark Whipple said today that Gabe Irvin should be back to or this weekend, um, but that he battled a little bit of an injury on Saturday. I mean, he is coming off of off of a knee surgery, so you got to expect some type of, you know. When you get hurt, when you have a surgery, or the the rest of your body is trying to compensate for whatever injury it was, so you got to expect something possibly to have a little twinge, a little, a, a little, not not mess up, but just just something not feeling quite right when you're attempting to go full speed, you know, right back at it. So I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure it was just a little mm-hmm. strange, little hiccup in in the in the recovery process. Here, here's what's interesting, and this is complete speculation. Over in Ireland, they actually sent Gabe Irvin out to do some conversations with media, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times it, they won't do that with players that aren't supposed to, aren't suiting up, aren't planned to suit up. And I don't know if something happened in between they t- them talking to the media and Saturday. I, I don't know what happened, um, and, and I don't want to speculate on on possible reasons why they didn't play. But it was definitely confusing because normally they'll bring out people that are going to be factors in the game or that you expect to see on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we just didn't see Gabe Irvin, unfortunately, on the field. And, and so it's it, he's one of those guys where, and, and this is nothing against Jacquez Yant, this is nothing against um, other running backs in that room, because Anthony Grant looked pretty good outside of his, I mean, if you take away his 46-yard run, he has 50-some yards rushing, which isn't necessarily great, but he finished with 101, including that 46-yard touchdown scamper. I mean, that's 50-some yards getting met behind the line exactly. of scrimmage damn near every time. 100%. So it's just one of those things where you wonder um, maybe 
they need Gabe Irvin back to really. Brian Applewhite's talked multiple times about this one A one B punch, rather than having a one two guy, and and maybe Gabe Irvin and, and Anthony Grant are those two guys for Brian Applewhite. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take a break. When we come back, we will bring Nathan in for the for the crossover. Strick will join us probably from who knows where. Um, who knows where Strickland is? He called us from. Florida yesterday. Yeah. So who maybe knows? Maybe he's back. Maybe he's back in Lincoln today. We'll find out next on the crossover. You're listening to the happy hour on 93.7 The Ticket. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the happy hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.